Hey, everybody, welcome back. Molly and I are here. It is Thursday. It's a big news day. We're going to cover Tesla's Q3 earnings. We'll talk a little bit about Kevin Hart's uh, new venture firm. He got JP Morgan uh, to uh, pony up for Heartbeat Ventures. Get it? Heart. Yeah. Kevin Heartbeat. Hey, uh, we It's Thursday, Molly. So we all know what that means. We got Lionel Messi, but more important, it's Thursday. We don't have Lionel Messi on the show, by the way. He also is getting into the investing game, but we do have Lon Harris on the show for just the best segment of the week. Uh, in this case, we're breaking down Netflix's Q3 earnings report. Super deep on mm. Netflix's coming ad-supported business. And uh, I don't want to give you any spoilers, but glasses. Mm, the glasses are on. All. Oh, man, glasses. There might be a J trade in here. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and then we play a new fun game. You're in charge, Lon. What are you going to do at DC? Yes, we put <laughs> Lon in charge of the DC multiverse and said, hey, how would you fix this train wreck? It's got an interesting answer uh, to challenge the MCU dominance in the superhero space. It's a really fun, informative show. It's wonderful. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at lemon.io. Go to lemon.io slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks. And Blueground is revolutionizing the rental game with its global network of designer furnished apartments that can be seamlessly booked for a month, a year, or longer. Get up to $1,000 off your booking with Blueground. Visit promos.thebluegroundcom twist for more info. Feel at home, free to roam with Blueground. Tesla put up big fan of the cars, big Q3 numbers, uh, but the stock is down over 6% so far on Thursday. It sounded like the vehicle deliveries hmm. were up the massively. What was the hit here? There was something the revenue was down. No, I, mean, was down. I think there or was something like a, was like a minor miss. I think there's like some minor miss out here. of the numbers. But when you look at the numbers, they're truly extraordinary. Uh, revenue up 56% year over year is just insane on a big number. Uh, but that was slightly under I guess some expectations. Vehicle deliveries went up to 343,000. That's up 89,000. I don't know what percentage that I is. But that's a so big it percent. was a it was a, a revenue miss in terms of analyst. Slightly, I was trying to figure slightly. out what caused it. Okay, I know, but I'm just trying to figure out there was some reason specifically that mm. was given for the fact that even though revenue was up and vehicle deliveries were up, the stock was down. And that's apparently what it was. Maybe, um, yeah, you know, even you don't even know in this market, like, sometimes there's shorts covering, sometimes there's people moving, sometimes people are um, locking in wins for the end of the year. So I, it's like, a lot of the movements in the market are not making sense. Like when you see, and people are, I watch CNBC, it's a hard time, these analysts are having a hard time explaining why certain movements are happening. Yeah, I mean, there's always like a pretty idiotic correlation between like, well, it wasn't what analysts were expecting. And therefore, the stock was down, even though it was an amazing performance. That is a an extremely common story. And that seems to yeah. be what was playing could be out yeah. here. However, I mean, the fact that what vehicle deliveries were up uh, 89,000 year over year, right? Crazy. Automotive revenue was up 55% year over year, considering mm. the supply chain issues. Mm. That's strong. So this is a website 
called App Economy. You can follow them on Twitter, Economy App. They make these, I don't know what they, what are they, do you know the name of these charts? I don't know. They're just these beautiful so, like ribbon, like a ribbon chart. Let's call it a I ribbon chart. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a ribbon because it shows, it's almost like a stacked bar chart, but then they rip it apart. It's like a shredded ribbon chart. I just love these. They're just amazing. And they show you like, they just do such a beautiful job of visualizing things that are in an earnings report that people mm. don't understand, like the cost of revenue, the mm. operating, you know, it's like you see this, you see revenue, and then you see it broken down in gross profit, operating profit, net profit, interest, mm. how much they yes. pay in taxes, what the operating expenses are. If you can see me, I'm making the ribbon moves. It's yeah. how much they spend on R&D. Like, it's just the most informative yeah. chart. It's Great. incredible. Well, we always talk about building a mental model when we invest in companies and, and building mental models of companies like when J trading, and you look at this, you know, the the ribbon in the middle is this gray bar. So just visualize a gray bar that says revenue 21.5 billion. Mm -hmm. Now to the right of the bar, they start talking about what's costs, what's profit. So you just break the bar in half. The bottom is cost of revenue 16 billion or so. And then on top, gross profit, like we were talking about uh, just yesterday, when we were doing some uh, professional development, you got 5.4 billion in gross profit. Okay, now you break that top part, the gross profit bar into two parts, the red operating expenses. Mm -hmm. And the operating expenses break down to SGNA uh, administration kind of stuff. And then you have R&D, right, research and development. Uh, then you have operating profit. So you break gross profit after you know just what is the cost of selling the car of the, making mm -hmm. the cars but then you get to operating profit so if you put in the operating expenses sgna and rd into it okay now you got an operating profit that goes down to 3.7 right 5.4 to 3.7 then you go to the net profit because you have taxes they got to pay some taxes and they got some other expenses perhaps yeah. interest uh, depreciation whatever it is so the net profit 3.3 billion that's actually the cash i think that goes into the bank account this is becoming yeah. and he always said this you know and i guess sometimes people don't take uh Ilana's word but he always said like you know the these factories if you if you do start churning out cars your fixed cost factory and then you know you keep selling cars the, the margins could get quite high over time i remember him talking about that in the model s days which were a trickle it could be investments and other things in this net profit obviously but they're, they're talking about doing a stock buyback i guess uh which could also oh, really? be a creative yeah so it's, this is it's interesting too, then, to visualize the left, by the way one of the notes says it's called a sankey diagram crispin mm. Zamsky says Sankey. it has a name. Sankey, S-A-N-K-E-Y. I like ribbon. S-A-N-K-E-Y. Sankey think, diagram. Yeah. I'm looking at that right now. I'm going to call wow. it a ribbon chart, but thank you for the actual term. But what is also cool is that to the left of mm -hmm. the middle line, the revenue bar, you get this actual breakdown of revenue because people always talk about, well, where is it coming from? And then you get this very specific thing that you can pull apart into other super interesting nuggets like Tesla's making over a billion dollars on energy generation and storage mm. and 1.6 billion dollars from services like what is that i mean from uh, from a journalistic perspective it's so interesting to just like dig into oh okay so what's the 300 million dollars from regulatory mm. credits uh, a little over half a billion from leasing like mm. it's just a it, it's i don't know it's informative in a way that is that you i have very quickly understands this uh, the, by the way very just quickly, a, the sankey diagram seems way more complicated than our beautiful ribbon chart here 
Well, anyway, just to give you some history on the Sankey, because I always wonder where, what is the origin story of these things? Um, mm-hmm. Take a look at this. I'm going to pull up something for you. This is the original Sankey chart. Both the Greeks and the Irish, as you know, Molly, are responsible for a lot of the great innovations we now uh, flourish under in society. Uh, and I'm Irish uh, and Greek and Swedish, so mm-hmm. shout out to my Irish and, and Greek heritage there. Sankey charts, Captain, I- uh, Captain Matthew Henry Phineas Rail. Sankey. Mm-hmm. Got enough names there, Matt? <laughs> he created first <laughs> he first created the chart in 1898 representing steam engine efficiency using arrows having widths proportional to heat loss. The original charts black and white displayed just one type of flow, for example, steam, while using colors for the different type of flows of the diagram additional variables. Another famous Sankey diagrams is flow map overlaying a Sankey diagram into a geographical map known as the Charles Menards map representing Napoleon's Russian campaign of 1812. I'm not sure the one we're showing here what that is. Uh, what do we think that one is, Nick? If we can pull it up. Is that the that one steam one or is that the Apparently is the geographical one? one, I think. Great, awesome. I mean, this is just a very interesting concept. So we all learned something here today. Sankey charts. And I, yeah. I was online and I found a Sankey Thanks, diagram. Uh, generator. You can just type in Sankey Diagram Generator and go ahead and make your own. I'm wow. into these, man. We have to start making our own. I want to make one of these for the for the Snyderverse, uh, for the DC verse. We should make <laughs> this for the DC verse, right? We took all Marvel movies, all DC movies. Yes. You stack all Marvel movies, and then you have one way go by ratings, and one way go by re- um, reviews, Metacritic reviews, and the other way you do proportional to uh, revenue generated or profit loss statements on them. Very interesting uh, way to look at it. But I'm going to get a Sankey going here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, congrats. It's only going to get better, I think. All right. This is a really important chart that people are talking about. Um, what you see there is uh, essentially a hardware business that's got incredible uh, margin power. The blue on this chart, if you're looking at it, the 6.8 billion compare is the operating expense that's selling uh, general and administrative expenses. And then you have the total revenue. And what is happening here is they've been able to control costs while increase revenue. And as that happens, uh, you become a money printing machine. Now, people didn't mm-hmm. believe that because Tesla lost money for so long. Uh, starting a car company is like having a, a, a money furnace, as uh, Elon has referred to it. But once you do get all those factories up and running and uh, you figure out the batteries and uh, you don't spend any money on advertising, you just have the most followers on Twitter. You know, it looks like this business has quite a margin that people didn't expect. I mean, this is if, if you are not watching, this chart is pretty bananas. What we see is that between 2017 and Q3 of 2022 on an annualized basis, cost, you know, doubled, right? Cost to operating expenses effectively almost doubled from 3.9 to 6.8 billion dollars, but revenue 8x. Mm. Like it's the idea that you would keep costs that flat in terms of factories and mm. production and making cars. <laughs> And have your revenue line go up and to the right is actually bananas. I would love to see this for Apple over time. You know, their revenue versus, you know, uh, their operating expense. It'd be a very interesting chart mm-hmm. to see. So maybe we can yeah, pull that up we'll for tap future. Da- we'll tap dance a well, little while we look for that. <laughs> well, no, we don't have to tap dance. I think just since it's earnings season, so I'll just challenge my producers. Uh, 
you know, yeah, we're not buying everybody Bloomberg terminals for. Come on, just one. We just need no, but one I think Bloomberg we can terminal. do this with Y charts. Y charts gave us an account uh, at some point, so thanks to our friends at Y charts. I think Y charts we might be able to do this. So we should see if we first uh, producers can recreate this chart in Y charts. Like if we look at Tesla and we can recreate this chart. I'm not sure who made this chart, but then we should we can recreate this chart for them. We could just do this for every company, right, and see yeah. what's going on here, right? Because uh, I guess the other argument here is, well, maybe they should be spending more money. And if they did more advertising, would they sell more cars? Well, obviously, they're production constraint. And I don't know if they can spend more money on factories. I mean, my God, Lord, those things are expensive to build. And they built a lot of them. So yeah. Yeah. And a big part of the story, I think, is also exporting and manufacturing in China. So I think very few companies except for Apple and Tesla have really figured that out at scale. And that, that seems to be a big part of the story here too, from what I gather from the yeah. information I see on Twitter. But great job to the team at Tesla. Yeah, congrats. All right. And I had asked our uh, producers there, Molly, on the fly to show mm -hmm. us Apple's revenue plotted against their operating expenses uh, in their most recent quarter. And you see a similar story. So the great companies in the world, it seems, uh, Tesla and, uh, you know, here, uh, and thanks to our friends at Y charts, uh, for providing us uh, a free account, I probably should pay for it instead of giving this free ad. In fact, let's do that. <laughs> y charts free <laughs> let's ad. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, what am I doing here? Y charts sponsor the show. Uh, anyway, here's your Y chart uh, 43. What does it say there 43 billion in operating expense? And what's the top line? Yeah. Molly? The top line is 365 billion. Great. And yeah. when did it bifurcate and you started to see this money printing machine emerge yeah right around for those of you who are not watching right around 2005 which ironically was a couple of years before the iphone introduction the iphone was introduced i always remember this the same year that my son was born 2007 i think of them as almost the same product in many ways um but you start to see that's when you really though just a couple years after that right around 2007 in the middle of that 2005 2010 is when you really start to see this rocket take off and there it's was a product, popped. remember, there was a product right before the iPhone, yeah. known iPod. as the iPod. And totally. I think the iPod was the beginning of Apple having a truly mass market phenomenon. Remember, before that, when you're seeing this very, like a really terrible business from 1985 <laughs> to mean, 2005, 20 years of like, brutality of this like operating versus top line revenue. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, barely, uh, you know, a little sliver there they found a new product category, consumer electronics, Sony's business. Turns out computers were not a good business. But consumer electronics, a fantastic business. Yep. That's uh, when yeah, like, just absurd. So then we have a chart that layers over hmm. uh, the Tesla what? line that we oh, talked show about me that Yeah. So it's up on screen right now. So if you look Oh at, if you're watching us on YouTube, yeah, exactly. You see these red colors that represent mm. Tesla and you start to, to watch this line start to follow a, a pretty similar, actually, there's even like this identical kind of little, I don't know, mini spike and then a flat, mm. a plateau, but then followed by an immediate takeoff. Like these, these lines, you see, you see Nick moving his cursor over it like crazy here showing us this is the line right there. <laughs> That's, that is almost identical to the Apple line. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Like that's really a, that is a really interesting, good job, by the way, producer Nick, nice work. Like that's exactly yeah. what we wanted to see. And when you chart, when you plot those against each other and you see how similar they look, it's pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. Well done. 
Listen, founders, very important. If you're in SaaS or you're in services and you store customer data in the cloud, you need to be SOC 2 compliant yesterday. And you don't, you might be hearing this and you may not even know what SOC 2 is, or maybe you heard about it. You know you're behind the eight ball. Let's get this solved today. This week, I want you to be compliant from a third party so that you can close big deals. Do it now. Do not look like a, a dope when you try to close a deal and they're like, do you have SOC 2? And you're like, uh, that long pause, that's going to be the sound of them going to your competitor. Use Vanta, which makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your SOC 2. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks and compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. I was able to invest in Vanta. It's a great company. A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta. They've had amazing experiences. They give it their highest rating. And and let's just be clear here. If you're not SOC 2 compliant, you can't close major customers. It's that simple. It's one of the first things they're going to ask for. Here's the best part of this ad read. Vanta loves this week in startups. They want to support founders and they want to support founders early. And they don't want you to break the bank. So they're going to give you $1,000 off. Think about that. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com slash T-W-I-S-T. $1,000 off vanta.com slash twist. Get your sock to now. Kevin Hart is got a venture firm. Didn't know that. He's friendly with a bunch of my friends. Kevin Hart. should have him on. I, you know, I haven't met Kevin him yet. Hart. But he's, friendly with a lot of my, he's friendly with a lot of my friends, as uh, people have heard. Yeah. And uh, Heartbeat Ventures took its first outside investment from JP Morgan. Yeah. Early stage firm to invest in lifestyle, media, and technology startups focused on inclusion and supporting minority and underrepresented founders. Uh, Fantastic. And, at an event, uh, at the event TechCrunch Disrupt, Hart said, quote, this is not a Kevin Hart machine that Kevin Hart stands in front of. And I said, it has to happen and there's no other way. He said, this is a table. This is a table where we sit and talk, we ideate, and we come up with the best possible ideas. That's something I've done very well mm -hmm. over the years. I've aligned myself with people who have done it right. And that's how I learned. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Interesting. Looks like he's done a massage th therapy device called Thermobody. I haven't heard Thermobody. of it. Electrolyte beverage. Bright Fox and social food ordering platform Snack Pass. A lot of consumer goods there. Mm -hmm. Hard to make money from those. But with the celebrity behind him, that is when you put an influencer or celebrity of his stature behind something like those things, those can be that can mm -hmm. be a true catalyst as we've seen with Mr. Beast and Kim Kardashian. So while most VCs would have a hard time making venture returns from those, I think the Kim Kardashian, Mr. Beast, Kevin Hart crowd can. So. And actually, we should probably point out that um, that although this is not in the lineup today, there was also other celebrity VC breaking news. Thanks to Tim Apple for reminding me because I meant to send this to our group that oh. Lionel Messi is also creating a global holding mm -hmm. company to invest in sports, media and technology globally huh. based in San Francisco. Playtime Sports mm -hmm. Tech Hold Co. LLC. <laughs> that is evidently the name. Playtime okay. Sports Tech Hold Co. LLC. Which sounds like, you remember that episode in The Simpsons where uh, Homer Simpson decides to start an internet company? Mm. And they call it like Hyper Mega Global Com or whatever. Anyway, um, this celebrity VC thing is a thing. Yeah, I mean, Ashton Kutcher did it right because he was actually doing the work and meeting with a lot of startups and got very connected with the angel crowd. You know, he would show up at TechCrunch 50, which uh, I used to co-host with uh, a previous partner over there. And... Um, yeah, there have been a lot of um, folks who have dabbled in this. 
mm-hmm. most of them don't do well because they can't put the time into it and they pick things um, that don't have venture margins and they, they just are not in the categories like marketplaces, SaaS, fintech, where money's made. And their deal flow circle might be friends of theirs in entertainment, as opposed to, you know, actual, you know, more coming out of the startup incubator, you know, machine. So you just have to be, I think, careful that these folks are paired with just like if I was going to go into entertainment, if I was going to do a reality show, which, you know, I've talked to people about, you know, it's one thing to do a podcast, but if I'm gonna do a reality show, hopefully I have some reality partners or a distribution partner who understands that has some domain expertise. So I think the reverse is probably true here, too. That's what I wonder, like, is this a case of is it is it and or could it be a case of celebrities getting pulled in, you know, to become a name for something that they don't I don't want to be demeaning, totally understand. I don't know. It's sort of like, I feel like the Kim Kardashian PE firm, I get, and she, they get it. And there's a, there's a precise strategy. The idea yeah. that it's just like, it's Lionel Messi. So it'll be like some sports tech stuff is like, is, yeah, he, you lose, the, is yeah. he just the name here? In some cases you put a name and then an existing team. So remember Carmelo Anthony had a venture fund. And I think what it was, was Carmelo Anthony plus somebody who was a legit person in venture come together and do it. Kevin Durant had something going Andrea Godalo does now, in some cases, like Andre uh, Iggy right. has really started to learn, um, you know, the craft of investing and is doing the meetings and that kind of stuff. Right now with Kevin Durant, I'm not sure he has the time as a full time player, one of the greatest players in the world training all that stuff to actually go do all these meetings, etc. So like, maybe when you retire, it's a different thing. Um, and then a lot of times, Maybe, a yeah. lot of the LPs who do this are doing it to get close to celebrities and power. And so, you know, who knows what dollar amounts being put in or what the motivation of the LP is, if they're actually going for returns, or they're going for the halo, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, some getting closer to celebrities uh, kind of thing. So, you know, Iggy is an Ashton Kutcher, uh, Deli, um, Della Vadova, who we know, who you know we've done deals with like some of those folks are actually doing the meetings getting to know founders joining boards of companies like really doing the job basically and they just okay i'm great at sports now i'm going to be great at this that totally Hmm. makes sense to me because sports gives you a great training and you need to do something funny because then you get to something like playtime sports tech hold co llc And it just feels like a dressed up family office in some ways. You know, it'll be his yeah, main investment be family vehicle. Too, yeah. It's a vehicle. Yeah. It's not a necessarily a venture firm. Interesting. It's a venture though. fund if you I'm raise money from his name, by the way. Like, I could literally just say this all day. Playtime Sports Tech Hold Co. LLC. Like, come on. You got to be well, kidding me. They just, just call themselves Playtime. Amazing. Yeah, one word's good. Launch. Playtime. No, I'm like, I will say them all Benchmark. forever. I will always say all of them. <laughs> it's really trolling them. <laughs> trolling. So, you know, it's, and I guess really the question is if you're a founder, What's the harm in taking some money from one of these firms? Yeah. None. What's the harm if they're your lead investor? Well, are they going to signal to people uh, in your next round to invest? So a celebrity Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. your Series A, the whole Series A, that's going to be a negative signal to your Series B. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. If you get Sequoia or if you go to Launch Accelerator or Y Combinator, these are signals that there is, you know, a lot of discipline around placing these bets, you start going to the celebrity crowd, and they place a bet could actually work against you if they were the lead. If it's a small amount, everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah, you just you carved out some time, maybe you could ask them for tickets to an event, or, you know, they'll come to the office and give an inspiring talk, or maybe they'll give you a tweet, they had to provide a lot of value in that way. 
Um, so just be care, be thoughtful about that, right? Is what is the signaling for your next yeah. round? If you're a founder, I always like to think about that myself. That's a that's a great point. Like I would get excited if I saw that Serena Williams was on somebody's cap table, but if if the if the entire round had been taken by, uh, right, Playtime Sports Tech Hold Co LLC. I might have well, and then you know, questions. like yeah, so. I think in each of these cases is different. So Serena obviously is married to Alexis, and Alexis is a full time VC for I don't know five or ten years now, so maybe closer to ten. So you know, she's obviously understands what venture capital is, how this works. It's not just her lending her brand to another venture firm. She obviously has a you know deep interest in it, and her partner and her are probably talking about every single deal and diligence and sourcing deals right so I, that's where i always like the, the devil's in the details kind of situation some yep. like when carmelo anthony did his I, I never heard of anybody meeting with carmelo anthony or carmelo anthony tweeting about a startup or you know in any way taking interest in it in the way yeah you saw yeah. ashton kutcher or i don't see Iggy exactly or i don't see take interest in it yeah right i don't see messy showing up on shark tank you know um but that would be a fun watch well anyway. but congratulations to kevin hart and yeah playtech hold co yeah. playtech yeah. hold co sports co LLC. Yeah. Um, and could be also like you're saying the, the private equity thing could be a different angle here too. So I think if they're going to do consumer stuff like and it's going to include the celebrity endorsement part, you know, this might fall into more of the Mr. Beast Kim Kardashian private equity as you pointed out. So, yep. you know, depending on how you frame it, maybe using the term venture capital, and it's more like private equity or influencer brand yeah. building. So family office ish, we'll see over time. Anyway, yeah. or family it, office, remains, right? it, it can it remains a fascinating trend to see BC and investing in general get more and more and more mainstream it's like yet another data point on yeah on this on this story that like our industry has arrived company formation and entrepreneurship is great for society and it's a fun thing to do i yeah. encourage everybody to start a company join a fund become a syndicate member uh or otherwise geek out to startups i mean mm -hmm. it's kind of my life's mission is to like get involved and use exactly. entrepreneurship and company formation as a lens to make life more fun and better for everybody. So more, more people in the party is good, as far as I'm concerned. Bigger tent. Agreed. Better party. Take it from me. Hiring developers is really hard. And so many startups struggle to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. So Lemon.io is going to help you hire better developers, and they're going to help you do it faster. Okay? That's the key. They have a network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. Here's how Lemon.io will help you. No more wasting time with unqualified candidates. No, these are all vetted and tested, and you're going to have easy access to global talent. And they can get your developer up and running, you're not going to believe this, in under a week. And of course, it's more affordable. I can't tell you how many companies I know are burning money every month but their product's not improving. And if your product doesn't improve, well, then you can't make money. You can't hit your milestones. You need developers to hit your milestones. You don't hit your milestones. Investors will not put more money in and you won't get revenue coming in from your customers, okay? So if you want to save time, you want to get a great developer, you want to save money, all you have to do is go to lemon.io slash twist and they'll give you 15% off your first four weeks. That's right, 15% off your first four weeks when you go to lemon, L-E-M-O-N dot I-O slash twist. It is so hard to find developers. They are so expensive. And that's why you need lemon.io. How much would you pay, Molly? Yeah. To uh, have a verified account. 
uh, let's just assume you weren't famous uh, and you had to pay for a verified account on Twitter. If, you know, verified accounts were available to everybody, just hypothetically, what would you pay a month for that, knowing that, hey, you know, uh, start to solve the spam brigading, whatever, because you'd say, hey, I only want my replies to be other verified folks. What, what would uh, you pay per month, do you think? 5, 10, 20. I'll pick three. I feel like here. that's a tricky question because doesn't that already, that already pretty much exists? No, you cannot buy verification. You can't buy verification. That's true. Right. But in that's, terms of the, the benefits. So what is the benefit of verification? Assuming this scenario, let's I assume buy it. Let's to assume get, all the good people buy it. And, you know, like you get the first whatever half of your replies are the verified stuff. And then the bottom half are unverified stuff or, you know, whatever verified just is uh, becomes the predominant case here. So in order, would, would you subscribe if you didn't have it, uh, if right. it made your made the service better? What would you pay? Five, 10 or 20 a month or you wouldn't pay for verification? I don't it think is. that I could imagine wanting to pay for it. Well, I'd pay like two bucks a month, I guess. Okay, I, the benefit that you've described is not that clear to me compared to what is already on offer in terms of the controls hmm. that exist on Twitter for like controlling your replies or not looking, you know. Right. Okay. So, so if you didn't have the verified now, though, and you wanted to be verified. The, even you? if you're not verified, you can still like say you can only reply to me if I know you. Right. But verified users move up in the system. Obviously, we are verified users ourselves. So we get a lot more play, right? And we get that verified tab. We can see all the stuff. I'm just curious. So maybe two bucks yeah. a month. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. One or two bucks a month. Maybe. Producer Nick, what would you pay to be a verified user? Would you pay? What would you pay? Nothing. I think verifications are lame. Okay. There you have it. Producer Rachel, would you pay to be verified? I'm curious. You're here. I also don't think I would want to. I don't think they're lame, but I don't know necessarily. Hmm. I have this theory, though, that the reason I don't like verification is I think verified people are really salesy. So I trust mm. them less. Like, I don't feel like they're as authentic yeah. as non-verified people. Got it. So and I don't I, think they're lame. I also feel like I use Twitter more actually as a news source and less as a broadcaster. Interestingly, ah, so if you're just, yeah. so what you're describing is a benefit. I'm, I'm just figuring this out in my head. Like you're describing a benefit to me, assuming that I want to be more of a broadcaster. Whereas what I value about Twitter is mm. the ability to get like today, mm. you know, Liz Truss resigns. I'm like, oh my God. And right. I go and I turn on CNBC and I check CNN and like, they're not even talking about it because US, whatever. I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's nowhere for me to get. And the only place I can go and get information from people in the UK, commentators, breaking news, like, and the actual humans on the ground with the insights that I can't get anywhere else is Twitter. But that is not hmm. something I need to be verified to get. So the value to me is not in like what I can accomplish there. It's, it's in what I can get there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would pay for all of our accounts to get verified. Probably for business accounts, I'd usually pay 10, 20 bucks. No problem uh, to get some like extra services and verify them just so. Yeah. And hmm. I'd probably pay 20, 10, 20 bucks. A month what are the services much, though? I think more metrics, being able to understand your followers more, that would be good too. You know, I, I had talked about this previously, like, imagine if you could with your followers, send a tweet uh, or a DM to mm -hmm. just your followers in Palm Springs. Let's say you were going to Palm Springs, you wanted to do a meetup. And you could do a tweet, hey, Palm Springs friends, uh, I'm DMing you. It's Molly, you follow me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be in Palm Springs uh, speaking at this conference if you want to join us. Boom, here's the link, right? Or let's say 
this week in startups wanted to do that or let's say launch was looking to meet people in australia we're going to do launch australia the ability maybe to dm your followers or to tweet just to that subset and understand a little bit about the data in other words to target your audience just like you can do with a mailing list you know like mailchimp you're or some of these other convert kit, whatever, there's a bunch of different tools where if you have information about your followers, or you ask them to opt in and tell you it, you could slice and dice your mailing list a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So imagine that same concept in DMs or uh, in, in just tweets in general. So you tweet and you say, for my New York followers, and a good segment, right? Yeah, or your followers could say when they f- imagine if the fo- this is another idea I have, imagine if your followers, and they subscribe to you, or they subscribe to me and say, I want Jason's comments about startups the NBA, personal life, everything else. And so when I tweet, I say, hey, this is my, this is a Nick's tweet, or it just automatically knows that because it's got Nick's in it. And you could like subscribe to multiple feeds for me, essentially, right? Or I, I want these three things, but not the Nick's stuff. Leave it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some more, I think for pro accounts to understand their follower accounts better, because we, everybody has to use third party tools to do this, right? We invested right. in one get little bird, there's other ones out there rating six, etc just to try to social blade there's other ones out there to try to understand your twitter followers you think yeah. that would be good for a business would you I like that, that being good for a business yeah. yes yeah totally i think That's they have, I really uh, want. to your point they have a lot of other tools to do it so they would have to be you know there'd have to be an obvious value add for it that it's yeah, native I mean, or that you can you know business but yeah absolutely I mean, business yeah. for businesses yes yeah. this might the problem here might be that i do not yet think of myself as a business and i should more like you know maybe I should build your personal brand, right? Like, right. Yeah. I mean, if you knew everybody who is interested in climate of your followers, right? If you could say Mm -hmm. to your followers, hey, I've got a, I'm going to talk about climate here, right? Or I have a climate because they have groups now. So you start this week in service group. So I was kind of brainstorming around that on a personal account or a business account. How can I reach my followers more effectively? Because right now you you can't DM your followers. You just blast it out. And unless they are online at that time or the algorithm shows. Yeah. It to what what I think could solve this too on the other end, and I might be willing to pay a dollar for is the is the algorithm building the custom algorithm like just show oh, me no matter whether I am online or not, mm. right? Like it shouldn't be chance whether I see something when I pop on Twitter. Yeah. It should be like I always want my climate stuff. Yeah, the you should end. be able to. I mean, you can hack this together with lists. I mean, that's one of the problems. Is like they it's like, like you're saying they've, they've made like a just... hodgepodge of tools and. Really, right. yeah. Th- th- when you have spam in the system, when you have multi people with multiple accounts, it's just kind of hard to get through it. Like I find the data set that I'm going through, I'm sifting through, it's just so cluttered with bad content. Mm. It's like um, yeah, it's like trying to find a diamond in like a bunch of garbage. Like somebody threw like ten di- Twitter to me is like somebody threw ten diamonds into a garbage dumpster. <laughs> You're just like. I know there's 10 diamonds in here. Why can't I find them? <laughs> Where's yeah. some good stuff in this garbage? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, that is not my experience on Twitter. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. No. Nope. Well, so, I guess you curate a good feed. You curate a good feed. You got it. Right. Yeah. And that's not my experience with my replies. Like, it's just not at all. Do you have your replies on? You're like describing people? a completely different world. And when I hear this talk about bots and spam and whatever, I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't. I actually don't. You don't get brigaded anymore. You don't get that kind of, or do you have your certain that I do and I don't see Uh, it. Like they have enabled uh, me to create settings that allow me not to see it. Like it's happening probably out there and I'm unaware of it. When you tweet, do you limit who can reply or no? No. Or you just like, oh, that's interesting. No. I mean, I changed the settings that were like, if you haven't followed me or, you know, I think there's some settings I give you that are somewhat granular. Like if you're a new account or 
ah, something, yeah. something, something. And you like, I, I don't, I don't see any of the stuff that you're talking about. I just don't. Huh. And I think the vast majority of users don't. Maybe it's because I've just been, you know, so much uh, Ukraine and Bitcoin talk. I just have more brigading right now than other folks. I think so. My you're in the, because like I told you, you're a combatant in the information wars right now. It's not fun. No. I want to be a digital nomad. You want to be a digital nomad. We all want to live that life. Oh my God, it's so great to travel. One of the great joys coming out of the pandemic is that we've kind of reset expectations, but you want to have the right location to be a digital nomad. You need to have a great live work environment. And I want to tell you about a startup that's doing this. It's called Blue Ground. Two words, Blue Ground. It's a global network of beautiful, stunningly beautiful, move-in ready apartments. They come with everything you need to work remote. They got 10,000 apartments across 15 countries and 27 cities. Not just the US and Europe, they got the Middle East, they got Asian. Why don't you go to Barcelona, Madrid, London, Copenhagen. I've been to all these places, wonderful. Dubai, haven't been there yet, but I'm going soon. Paris, Vienna, Berlin, New York City, LA, Austin, Miami, of course, and many, many more. They're super flexible. You wanna stay for a month, a year, longer? They'll make it work, so in real time. Book in a few clicks, move in as quickly as the next day. With Blue Ground, you can feel at home and be free to roam. What a tagline. Here's the best part. They love This Week in Startups. They're super fans. And they're willing to give our fans $1,000 off if you go to promos, P-R-O-M-O-S dot thebluegroundcom slash twist. Promos.thebluegroundcom slash twist. We're going to put it in the show notes, of course. Get that $1,000 off and start living your best life with Blue Ground. Feel at home and be free to roam. It's time for this week in streaming. So much streaming news happening uh, that we brought in our good friend, Lon Harris. Lon, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. All right, what's in the news? What's, what do we need to cover top of show here before we talk about the greatest show on TV, House of the Dragon? <laughs> uh, I think we got to talk about <laughs> Netflix, right? Like that Netflix bouncing, Netflix bouncing back sort of their, their mm. yesterday was the big comeback. Uh, mm. they, they've gained, they're gaining subscribers again. We're, we're back in the positive side of the... They're, they're, they're saying that's over. Like, if you listen to Netflix's management, they're saying there was that post-pandemic sort of dip and everybody got terrified, but now we're, we're back in the black and it's going to keep expanding and growing. And, and so the, the setback hmm. is, is passed. And so there's a lot of like newfound enthusiasm behind Netflix and like they're, they're not, we, we counted them out maybe a little too soon. Reports okay. of Netflix's demise were right. Were maybe overstated or, or pre yeah, maybe premature. Premature, I believe. Yeah. They, Let's talk about the numbers. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting numbers? here? Netflix up fourteen percent uh, after reporting Q three earnings and showing a return to subscriber growth. Before I even get into those numbers, notable that they're showing this return to subscriber growth before even having launched the ad supported tier. That's not even right. coming until November. So keep in mind as you hear these numbers that they don't include. This mm -hmm. new, only slightly cheaper tier for lots they of also, They notably, I would just interject, they undercut Disney. Disney already announced its ad plan is going to be, I believe, $8 a month yeah. with ads. And then Netflix came out with theirs and it's $7 a month with ads. So they're, they're bringing it. It's a full court press at this point. I do want to talk about that in a minute. Um, that pricing, because we talked about the pricing and you weren't on. So yeah. I do want to oh, I want to come back to we'll that. Pricing, but here's but what, what, what happened in the quarter? Yeah. Here's what Netflix reported for Q3 revenue up seven up uh, was about seven point nine billion dollars up only five point nine percent year over year. But that was still better than expected. They were they're getting the low expectation bounce. 
uh, FCF free cash flow grew 36 X quarter over quarter to $472 million. Netflix was cash flow negative in Q3 and Q4 2021. So that's actually the big number. I think that really helped them with that stock. Boom. Uh, and Netflix also notably added 2.41 million subscribers versus its previous estimate of just over a million subscribers. So like they two X the subscriber yeah. number there, Lon, what do you think happened? Like, wh- how? What was the juice there? Did they cut off a bunch of password sharers? Well, right. I mean, I yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's not that's sort of been going on in Latin America a little bit, mostly as a test. It's probably not bulk that. It probably is what they're saying that the last few quarters we were seeing the impact of the end of the pandemic. So that pandemic surge was collapsing. You also had. I don't think you could overstate the the Ukraine Russia stuff and cutting off all Russian Netflix subscribers was a huge dip that really right. hurt them for that quarter. And so I think it's a lot of like the negative stuff that was holding the back kind of went away rather than something massively new and positive happened. I mean, there were positive things. Dahmer, I think, is a you know like that was a huge show that got out there and and sort of got the word out. But I, I think it's more that they stopped they stopped losing so many subscribers as opposed to they did something to cause a huge surge in new subscribers. But US and Canada only netted 100,000 new subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have 200 the international expansion yeah, they have still. 223 million total subs. So this is like 1% more subs and 5% more uh, revenue. So this is incredibly slow growth, but there's a pulse. So I right. guess that's that the market is Mm-hmm. kind of thinking is that like it's not over for them and if you I think mean, the, the yeah, advertising the conventional, conventional wisdom is like amazon netflix hbo they've, they've sort of maxed out like there's maybe growth potential for your in peacocks. the north american region yeah right or at least in the in the markets where they've been for a while like there are okay. still emerging yeah. places where they're growing but europe canada u.s australia these places are relatively locked in except for the the sort of newcomers mm. or up and comers like Paramount Plus maybe still has a chance to grow. So any any time that Netflix can still keep adding in the millions, it's like, oh, that's better than expected because we sort of thought they'd already capped out. Mm. Mm. But advertising's coming. So that's the really that's the yeah. card that nobody knows. I have changed my position on this. <laughs> um, Good. A bit. Well, no, you know, I thought it was very much against the brand. I talked about that. But I do think a lot of advertisers really want this ad base. And I've been thinking about the global nature of Netflix and uh, looking a little bit just completely coincidentally. I've been studying a little bit of Twitter's global ad network and how people spend money there just for the fun of it. Taking a look at it. No reasons, really. Um, But. There is something very powerful about having a quarter, almost a quarter billion people available. And I think if you look at YouTube's ascension and the fact that they can offer a billion people around the globe, this Netflix audience, like the high end Netflix audience, that's one thing. But the reach of Netflix is not going to change dramatically with a $7 option. I think it's going to change. I don't know. What do we think that's going to add 10% to the user base, whatever it is? I think there's another card coming. I think they're going to offer a free plan. And I think the free plan is going to be like a limited subset of the of the shows, maybe some time delayed. But I think that they could hit a billion 
downloads and users for this product if there was some free versions. And I think they're dipping their toe going to get their advertising legs under them, understand advertising. And then I think there's going to be a free version. It may not be available in the United States. It may be time limited. You can watch 10 shows or maybe it will be like you can only watch these certain set of shows. You can't go into the archive, whatever it is. It would make sense to time limit it would be because then you would be reducing the way you make money. But imagine a free version of Netflix that was, you know, I don't know, three months behind the current offering. What would that look like? Putting it out there. Ad supported? I, mean, I, think, I think that's a, I think that makes a lot of sense. Ad supported. I mean, what we've seen from the, 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 what they call like fast now, free ad supported streaming services. Mm-hmm. People love the free off the, the like Pluto TV, all of a sudden, like Nielsen for the very first time in totally. September, Pluto TV now grabbed 1% total of us TV viewing. And it's a it's that's Paramount's free ad supported service. So people mm-hmm. love those. And Tubi's, you know, Fox's version has grown very quickly as well. Awesome. Roku channel obviously had a lot of success. Uh, less so with the you pay some and then it's offsets more money with ads i yeah. hulu had a little bit of success with that but that hasn't been an explosive growth category so i think you're right there's a lot more potential if you let people have it for nothing even if you give them you can only watch season one of the witcher or you can only watch this movie but not that movie or however you mm. decide to do it i actually think that it would have been smarter for netflix to do that first instead of this ad supported tier because when this pricing was announced like i'm not very i understand that it's cheaper than disney plus but the idea of getting ads for seven bucks but no ads for 10 bucks just doesn't feel like a very great value to me like it's not cheap enough to make it really worth the three dollar difference yeah Um, i mean netflix now a, a basic netflix plan is like 15 so so seven versus 15 it's like you're saving money but i still i'm i agree oh, with you like the ten dollar a month plan still exists like right, i'd be the, fine if yeah. you got rid of that plan but you have basic with ads for seven you have basic for 10 and then you have the next plan up is 15 right like, just get rid of yeah I, the, the I don't ten dollar month that plan, plan because that just to me is just it's that's got some overthinking weird stuff it, too. but if you really, it's overthinking it. And if you really wanted to disrupt, come in over the top with Jcow's plan and offer the free ad supported version. And then all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Like you blow everybody out I think out that of the water. is the ultimate plan, Molly. I think this is, you know, when you have a culture of no ads and we build stuff people want so much they're willing to pay, it's very hard for the management team to communicate that to their internal team. The internal team is a bunch of rich people uh, coastal elites, dare I say, who uh, are like, well, why would anybody not pay $10 a month to save one hour a month of commercials? Because if you if you're watching an hour of network television, you're talking about 20 minutes of commercials, right? Something mm-hmm. in that range, the, the TV shows were 21, 22 minutes for a half hour of content, 42, 43 minutes, I believe, Lon. Yeah, so anyway, you're, you're looking about, you know, a, a third of your viewing time, upwards of a third is ads so let's just yeah. put it at per hour i'm going to just be conservative here and say 15 minutes of ads well Netflix if you're watching for now four to five minutes is all they're going to do they four gave a number minutes yeah. per hour of time. so again that is for elite people who uh value time over money and these elite people who have let's call it household income above a hundred thousand a year something in that range anybody in that group is going to say well, if I watch two hours of TV a day, or average Americans watch five hours of videos between TikTok and everything else, 
TV uh, streamers. So you got five hours a, a day. Let's just put that at a conservative 30 hours a week. Uh, let's just say 100 hours a month. 100 hours a month means if you're watching network, you're exposing yourself. If you said 25% of that 100 hours, 25 hours of ads a month. Now let's just say you're a light TV viewer and you're getting just but 10 hours. For 10 bucks a month to save 10 hours, you're reclaiming a dollar an hour. Now some people aren't watching the ads. They're multitasking, right? It's pretty easy to do. But um, there are a number of people who don't have the incremental 10 or 15 bucks to put on their credit card. So they're not thinking about time arbitrage in the way a rich person does or an affluent person or even a modestly affluent person does or a modestly affluent home. That's why it makes no sense to us when we look at the $7 thing or the $9 thing. Who's not making the trade of just paying two bucks a month and having no ads, right? It's, it's almost unfathomable to would, it, would either of you pay the lower price and subject yourself to the five, 10 minutes of ads an hour? No. And unless they no. turn off password sharing. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's going to yeah. do it. I just don't, I think that this plan is a loser and I don't understand why introduce it at all. Why not go I, like, I, and it shows that the, yes. that I think that the culture is stuck in the mud, which we've been talking yes. about, like that yes. they, they have analysis paralysis and yeah. they can't innovate from within. And it would have been completely earth shaking to do what you're suggesting first. But that would take a boldness and it would take chaos inside the company. So just to give people an idea what happens in big companies, when you have to make a yeah. huge pivot like this and do something disruptive, most leaders do not have the ability to say to all their employees, we're doing something super disruptive here. The end. They say, hey, you know, it took them two years to just get to five minutes of commercials. You know what? We, we, we're not growing. We need to get some more people involved. I'm sure they'll all upgrade. No. People making under 50 grand a year are not going to upgrade. That You're going to be able to show them 20 minutes of ads an hour. And you're going to need to because those ads are not going to be the same ads that the top Netflix users, you know, people buying a Mercedes or going on some crazy first class holiday. Those are really elite, valuable advertisers. They will not subject themselves. They'll never pick the free tier. So anyway, I, I would mm. look for a completely free tier of all of these services coming in a yeah. year or two. I mm. would also add, you mentioned account sharing, password sharing. They are talking about that too. That was also part of this uh, Q3 earnings call. They discussed... They have a new plan. They're 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 calling they're calling it sub accounts. So the idea is, if you mm -hmm. live in a different household from somebody, but you want to share Netflix, you can add them to your account mm -hmm. for two dollars and ninety nine cents per awesome. month. A family and plan. Then, I would happily do that. And then yep. their entire household is on your plan, so they could have sub accounts for them. And they're making it easy if somebody like if. I set my, my Netflix and then Jason and Molly, you guys are added as sub accounts. If you want to then get Netflix yourself, it's very easy to turn your sub account into a new main account. Perfect. So that's and how they they're going to try to make this happen. Th they said that they will also let users transfer their watching data to a brand yes. new account ahead portability, of this big crackdown. Portability so is it, genius. So it doesn't forget like, oh, you like N Brian Murphy shows, but not Chanda Rive shows, you know, like they right. want to Perfect. Keep it is very clever. And help take a note, Hulu, innovative to give people an option to have a family account, you know, oh or to God. be like, like I, my mom can't afford her own Netflix account. I pay for it, right? This is like, this is I want to support my mom in stupid, dumb ways like Netflix. Like, sure, let yeah. me just add this house in a different town for crying out loud or Hulu. Yeah. So Smart. yeah, I mean, I, I think no, this, I'm having this problem with Hulu because whenever Hulu I travel on Hulu, so irritating. If you're using an iPad or an iPhone. They're like, do whatever you want. We know that your mobile device is going to have random IPs on it. It's a mobile device. So if I'm in Austin on a business trip or I go to Tahoe to the ski house and I'm using the iPad, fine. 
The second I put it on an Apple TV and I'm in the home theater and I, yeah. then it's like, oh, you want to move your region? I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I, I'm in California. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, no, no, no. But you're three hours away, Tahoe, from the Bay Area. So therefore, you're in a new region. And it's like, okay, sure, switch it. And it's like, you can do that four more times. I'm like, really? Yeah. So now what do I do? I get a second Hulu account. I'm, I'm about to throw Hulu out the window and go with YouTube because my understanding is YouTube doesn't do this to you all the time. Right. So then when it did break, you know what I started doing? I I start taking my iPad out. Kids want to watch it. I can't use Hulu on my Apple TV. So I start, uh, what, what's the air casting? Uh, not casting, casting. Yeah. Oh, Airplay. Uh, not Chromecast. Chrome casting the or Airplay. 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 So I'm now I'm now like an idiot. I'm opening my phone or my iPad and airplaying to the Apple TV. I'm like, really, Hulu? Like, this is what yeah, you're making yeah. me do. You're turning me it's into ridiculous. a hacker. I've got, I mean, this, you know. Of my own service that I pay for. Yeah, it's absurd. I'm just, I'm trying to be a customer here, Hulu. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about throwing in the towel. Just YouTube. to be clear. YouTube, yeah. great. YouTube TV. That's what I hear. I think I'm going to move. That's what I my mom's on. She likes it. Yeah. YouTube TV. I just want to talk about this fast thing. It's the first time I'm hearing uh, this fast term yeah. free and free supported street tier there you go fast okay this is amazing i didn't even know pluto tv existed this just shows you the have and have nots in society like I, totally. this thing has got yeah. 70 million monthly users already one percent of all Judge us tv Judy. viewing in september I mean, I mean, 1%, really, of all US TV viewing? According to Nielsen, 1% of all US TV viewing of in course. September was on Pluto TV. Wow. And that, well, you know, it's really interesting because those are, yeah. they pop up on your like Roku, you know, I have a Roku TV, like a lot right. of people who exactly. don't spend tons of money on TVs have. So all of us who bought TCLs, and it was a lot of us, are like, so you see these services on your roku mm. homepage, basically and you're like is this legal is this real yeah. and then you start clicking on it for fun and you realize like there's one called fossum mm -hmm. which is free yeah. awesome and it's just like crappy like sharknado style movies galore it is yeah, so like fun whatever old stuff they can license i mean amazon set up freebie it's like the they, they've had their version of this forever too because they're trying to get in on it as well and yeah fox held on to tubi which is another big one i think uh, another great thing about this is a lot of the time you want to watch something new, hot, like a like a hit, like a big premium peak TV show. But there are some times where you want to watch an old movie or some random old TV show you like. Mm -hmm. And these services are great for that. Like I'd watched a bunch of the Hellraisers because they're the Hulu had the new one. And then I saw, I saw there your was a, tweets. There was a random old Clive Barker movie I'd never seen called Rawhead Rex. And I looked it up and the only place to stream it is like Tubi, one of these free services. So like, yeah, they have a lot of like old syndicated crap that is not going to be top 10 most viewed things this week. But, you know, if you just don't mind watching a few ads, it's there and that's where to watch Amazing. it. It was, wouldn't yeah. be worth Netflix licensing it. Yeah. You know what, guys? Fascinating times. You know what, guys? What's hmm. that? I just feel like oh God, Netflix the has here it comes. an incredible opportunity yeah. here. J Trade Alert. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do this on air. I haven't made a J Trade in a month since the market's been such turmoil. Oh but my God. I just uh, live on the air after this Netflix discussion and then this Pluto success. I think the Netflix team, obviously, they're well aware of this Pluto and this fast trend. I, my Lord, I think Netflix could have as many people on it or you know a similar we, we might be thinking about netflix and these services in a different in a, in a in the wrong way they're not competing with the streamers of old or cable channels they're actually going to look more like youtube so the global reach of youtube 
is what I think Netflix is destined to become. Hmm. Because if Netflix was available, I just bought 200 shares, it's like 50 grand. I've always wanted to own Netflix. I think they'll be the number two player behind Disney uh, and Warner Bros. will round out those top three. So here's what I'm thinking. I think Disney, Netflix, and even Warner Brothers Discovery, they're all going to wind up in the same place. Paid tiers for affluent homes that don't want ads and that want some want the content live. Then they'll have a mid-tier, a little bit cheaper. You get all the most recent stuff, no library delays, but you see a couple of ads, you know, like the five, 10 minute ads. And then there's going to be delayed content. You don't get lord of the rings this year you get it next year so if you want to wait that's fine but we're going to pile on the ads uh or you're two weeks behind and then some number of people are, i don't want to wait two months or whatever so now i don't know about amazon I, I don't consider their streaming service like hard to under it's hard to understand because i think they look at it as a way to keep prime subscribers but i think it's warner brothers netflix disney now and i, I want to own the whole category i was I gonna say your category. portfolio strategy is cage match <laughs> well my portfolio strategy is I think there's going to be like three winners, three or four winners yeah. here who are going to win so yeah. big yeah. that right. all advertising, the loser here is network television. Because what? why do I want to set up an antenna? I want to do this on my phone. I want to do it on demand. I don't want to. And I think, you know, if you're, if you were looking at us before we, uh, when we were in our younger years, and maybe didn't have as much discretionary uh, income, we would have all watched just network television instead of paying for the stuff, right? Mm hmm. And we would have like we used to wait for movies. We didn't do pay per view in our house, so we waited for it to be on network television, right? Like that was. Well, what, I, you know, I've, I had HBO for a few years there, but yeah, no, I, well, we, we all didn't like, grow up so elite, Lon. Sorry, <laughs> Silver Spoon. Up, I, I had an adult. I bought myself. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, I, I just think you know, there's like there were those three tiers. You waited for network television if you had no money. You might have had a cable subscription and had HBO if you had a little bit of money. Right. And mm -hmm. then you could do pay-per-view if you were loaded. And you're like, yeah, why wouldn't I pay 30 bucks That's or 40 bucks to crazy. watch this movie? Yeah. People I, I, for I, didn't know that was I didn't know anybody crazy. who did that. And I didn't know a that single we, person. We've got that again. You know, now you can pay $20 and watch anything that's in the movie theater at your, it's true. At your home. Start, you just like that basically come back. I've done, I've done it a couple it times. times. I've done it a few times. Yeah. I mean, you have kids like and some things there. Once or twice. It's cheaper than a movie. My kids... My kids, this is, uh, this gives me hope. My kids would rather wait a couple of days to go to the movies than watch it tonight. Yeah, they I love, love the movie going experience more than the immediacy. I love going to the my theater. My kids have been going to the movies. Yeah. It's a okay. real thing. I may have Aww, to buy some AMC. Today. There might be another J train. I was going to say, yeah. the movies are back. I think I, the movies. I I think we've I'm kind of come overstated. Back. I think it's cable and broadcast and satellite. That's all going away. I don't think movie right. theaters are ever fully going away. People like going to the movies. I think there'll be fewer of them. We especially young people. Like if it if it can if the movie can become like the new social event like it used to be. Like if, do you ever watch like all the kids are rewatching Seinfeld? You watch rewatch old Seinfeld. You realize like pretty much all they ever did was go to the movies. That's like if you were going on a date in the 90s, what were you going to do? You were going to go you see a movie and the... grab a bite to eat or something. Yeah. So then if the kids today are reliving the 90s, and they are, and then the movie theater is their new social event, mm. then all of a sudden movie theaters, yeah, they, they could be on the upswing. I also think we're we're already starting to see this happen. Like they bring Avatar back for a few weeks and it becomes a huge hit again. Yep. I think theaters are going to, it's going to be like a half and half. Like 
here's the theater that's showing Knives Out 2 or the hot new movie. And then there'll be, here's the theater showing Gremlins 2 or Back to the Future or Star Wars Marathon or like, there's so much stuff you can get people in eventize going to the theater beyond just, hey, there's a new, you know, George Clooney movie out. Come see that one. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff they could do to, especially like, like with the Minions, being, you know, making it a, an event, everybody dressed up exactly. to go to Minions, you know, you kind of, you know, imagine like Man of Steel 2 gets announced and then like, we're going to bring out Man of Steel 1 for an exclusive week with like, maybe a new with intro. some extra clips, put a couple extra right. clips in it, you know, exactly. that's where would it. I would. That's um, where I'm in. Yeah. I would exactly. have paid several times in a row to see OG Top Gun in the theaters in advance of Top Gun That's Two. What I mean. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I mean. Like yeah. when Maverick comes out and is blowing up and everybody loves it, be like, "Hey, we're going to devote one of our screens to just showing classic Top Gun All for right. the rest." Well, speaking of, the movie. of we movies, should call some people. Yeah. Speaking of movies, I'm trying to make a transition am. here. It's going to be a busy season this fall. My kids are a little excited because Black Panther Two is coming out. They really want to see that. They're into Black Panther. And General Zaslov <laughs> continues his reign of terror. He said, did he not, that he needs a Kevin Feige? Feige. Is that how you pre- he Feige. needs a Kevin Feige, which, by the Feige. way, just side note, the Kevin Feige shout outs in the fourth wall of She-Hulk was oh, brilliant. The She-Hulk finale, yeah. My, my daughters loved it. I'll, I'll put that aside for a second. Uh, what the hell's going on now? He he's he's done it. He came in like General Zod. He said Neil before <laughs> yeah. Zod, and mm-hmm. then he decapitated DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, What's going I mean, on at this point? Like he, they basically, whether he cleaned house or they left on their own, like WB Film Division is it's going to be totally different. Like Toby Emmerich, Walter Hamada, all these all these big guys who were running the show over there for many years are gone. Uh, Walter Hamada is the one who he exited. We kind of knew. He's been the head of DC films for the past four years. Uh, so we cut. So Joker was under his watch and uh, the Suicide Squad that James Gunn won. He's one of the producers on Black Adam, which comes out on Friday. Mm. Uh, so he's out. And he was kind of the last one of that regime that was still mm. sticking around. So they're saying now, wow. instead of having this system where there's Zazlab and then there's a team at DC Comics and then there's a team at Warner Brothers Films and they all have to agree about what the movies are going to be and what the plan is, and they're coordinating. They're like, we want to do the Marvel version, which is just one guy. There's one guy, he makes all the decisions and or basically gal. runs or gal. Nah, right, it's going to be a guy. One, one Don't kid yourself. <laughs> it will probably be a guy, but you are right, Jason. It does not have to be a guy. Uh, <laughs> one person who's going to basically shepherd the entire brand. So mm. everything from type. Right, the everything quote. from There's the a TV, direct quote. From like this guy's, I mean, like you said, whether he was fired or left because he knew there is a literal quote from this AB Club article that says Zaslav apparently came into the job with an eye on firing Hamada, seeking yeah. to replace <laughs> him with, well, quote, a Kevin Feige type. Is it so, Feige right. or Feige? So, Feige? I believe it's Feige. I believe you Feige. say the E. On I'm the pronouncing the e. Feige. I'm giving I'm him credit for the e. I'm with I you. you say, I think you say Feige. It's a good E. Uh, it sounds better. It does sound better that way. And Paul Feig is already a Feig, so I like a Feige. All right. Is Black Adam a good movie? I will say, they're having a hard time finding. They've already tried to hire, like, three people for this job, and nobody seems to want. Exactly, and Joker had two Oscars. Like, what was wrong with Hamada? Why? 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 I think it's more organizational. It's like they don't want film executives and comic book management and all these studio heads and all of them trying to collaballate and come up with one plan I they want to do it's it that feel, it feels like what Feige's structure. been able to do with Disney Plus 
and with the MCU films and with even Marvel comics in some ways is like unify it all. It's like it's one hive mind now mm-hmm. and they can Lon, coordinate better. I've, I just got off the phone with General Zadlov and uh, <laughs> he's giving me permission to pick the next hat. I picked you. Oh, uh, wow. Let me ask you now, take a moment. Mm. You're now in charge of DC Comics. This is a little wow. uh, role playing here. Because uh, I'm, I'm a major shareholder of Warner Brothers, as you know. And, I'd love the uh, job. Sign I me used, up. Okay, so you're in charge. And you're looking at this collection of assets. We've right. got the Snyder verse. We've we got sure the Todd Phillips verse. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got the RPAT verse. Yeah. And then we've got whatever the hell is going on with the arrow and all those shows over at the that's basically done. the network they're, they're, nonsense they're selling off cw so they yeah. don't they're not going to own that anymore right. so so yeah. which of the those are three directions and there's obviously other directions you can go how are you cleaning up this mess what is going to be decanonized what is going to be the core who is going to be which actors and which uh characters are your core I think that what we've learned over the last few years, and it's very counterintuitive. I I think the idea that DC has to do exactly what Marvel did is wrong. Mm. I think DC has Mm -hmm. been kind of going its own way. And it's been working a lot of the time, like not all the time, but like Aquaman, massive billion, 1.2 billion international, incredibly huge hit. Joker, not only a massive, incredible hit. Oscar winning, taking Oscars. the Golden Lion at Venice, like Todd Phillips is, uh, you know, he's making this, he's, he's joining the elite, he's getting mentioned, you know, along with Nolan now, and like, he's like an elite filmmaker, the guy did Road right. Trip. So, I mean, I think if you, if you look at stuff like that, there's, there's huge potential for these movies still, and I don't really think you need to have one unified Kay. franchise. I think you could have the R-Pats, Matt Reeves, Batman-verse, and that's ongoing, they're going to do a second one, they're doing that Penguin show. Uh, and there's a rumor recently that Matt Reeves is already having discussions about spin-off villain movies. So before the villains mm. fight Batman, you get a Clayface movie setting up Clayface. You get a you a get Riddler? a Ra's al Ghul movie setting up his world, and mm. and so that could wow, be its fascinating own franchise. And then mm. so Joker, multiverse is your vision exactly. Joker, you we're already doing Joker two with I Lady Gaga. This. People are super excited for another one of those. I don't think you interrupt that. I don't think you recast those people. You put that to the so website. you say the multiverse is what we're doing. Is there one? one- I bring back the Snyderverse. We do Man of Steel two. We do uh, Aquaman two and three. We do Wonder Woman three. We bring those characters back to the people like them. Why would you ditch them? What Agents is of the chaos. Okay, so I love it. You want to go full toxic. You want to basically, <laughs> you want to double down on just fan service. And you think there could be three Batman universes concurrently. I got to tell you, I, I, I you know, I host, uh, we, we do, I do fandom. I'm on a lot of screen junkie shows. Yes. If we put anything referencing Batman, Gotham City, Joker in the title, that's a hit video. That's it. People, hmm. the, the demand, I don't think the demand for Batman content has ever actually been met. I think you could keep making more Batman stuff and it would keep being successful. Yeah. I think this People idea that, that I think that General Zod might be making, Zodslav might be making a little bit of a mistake here. Because if you look at the recent trends around, for example, the reception of uh, some of the Star Wars films and the fact that they canceled their plan to just release one year after year and the reception to some of the recent Marvel movies like the new doctor strange you know people are like like at some point it gets old 
There Mm -hmm. is only so much you can milk the same cow. Variety, diversity matters in the in the literal sense. Like you need a lot of different seeds. Yeah, I I mean, I also think there is something to the idea. There is something to the idea that the idea that you have to watch everything to keep up with the MCU. You've got to constantly be watching movies. You got it is, and and I think that. DC could become the alternate that just check in with the stuff that interests you. And right. if it doesn't, you don't need to do, you don't, we're going to need a school curriculum for Marvel movies at some point. Here. How how you you the different demographics. You could have, this is the Batman series, but it's very dark and gritty. It's for hmm. older people, but then we're going to do Shazam movies for younger people. You know, like you totally. can, you got a lot more freedom. Okay. But okay. But we want justice league. We want the tent pole. We sure. want sure. all these characters interacting. So, if you have the Snyderverse and you let him go, that's going to, by default, become the primary universe. In, in a way, that's going to become like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it has I mean, the most fine. established modern characters. So what right. you're saying is, I, y- you will have this anchor one that gets 60-70% of the energy, but then there's 30% where you tell people, have fun in the Todd Phillips version of the universe, have fun in exactly. the RPAT version of the universe. This is the main universe. Yeah. Uh, this is our Wonder you know, Woman. You know but what? Now, works what do you do? Comic okay. books. That's what comic books. Hold on a second. What happens when Todd Phillips, or is it Matt Reeves who's doing the uh, Matt R-Pat? Reeves is doing the Batman? Todd I call Phillips it the Patterson verse because it sounds better, and I like yeah. Arpad, and I'm, I'm friendly with him. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> with the Arpad verse or the Patterson verse. Now, what happens when Patterson verse and Phillips verse say we want Wonder Woman? But we want your Wonder Woman. We want Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal I mean, Gadot. listen, I don't. Who I, gets I, her? I think we overthink all of this stuff too. I don't think audiences care. They don't I care. I think just exactly. like audiences would be delighted to see, like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. We saw him die. He died in the movie Logan. It was very sad. We all cried. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert for Logan. They're going to bring him back in Deadpool yeah. three. Now, granted, you could explain. Oh, the Logan Timeline. was set. Logan was set in care. the future, the different universe, but. I, th- I think when you get right down to it, audiences don't care. Like, they just yeah. want to see Wolverine again. Hmm. They love Wolverine. If Wolverine's back, they'll accept any explanation. And I think it would be the same thing. I, I doubt it would happen. But if Gal Gadot showed up as Wonder Woman in The Batman 2, I think we'd all go with it. We'd be like, we'd be thrilled. Shit, this is a fascinating, fascinating vision. Like, it's a fascinating people, vision. fun stories. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like everybody who's into this sort of fandom thing is really overthinking the fandom thing. And what they're ending up with yeah. is a sea of sameness. Like, oh, the same characters over and over, the same story arcs over and over. And people actually do want some variety. I think, yeah. And, and I think you get away I from hate- every every time you do a new like, hey, we're casting this one person and they're this generation's new this character. Yeah. All the identity politics and stuff comes out. It's like, no, he's got to be this and they've got to be that. They've got to be this gender. They've got to act like this. And this is the vision I've had in my head. And if you allow eight people to be Joker at, at once. You're taking the approach of Shakespeare. You're saying you want <laughs> to do your version of King Lear. You do yours at Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah. I'm going to do my own interpretation exactly. for a Netflix sure. show or it's one a, for kids or one in Tokyo. Was, and that was a how populous Elizabeth vision of entertainment. That was totally how Elizabethan drama was too. You like Christopher Marlowe's Faust is in that theater, but I could go see another guy's Faust in that theater. Hmm. You know? Yeah, Zodzlav out is out here <laughs> trying to like crown a king to tell us all what to watch for the rest of time, and I think it may be a mistake as a strategy. I like this idea of saying we're pursuing. I, I want to just say it shouldn't be a free for all. 
I'm going to say we're going to we're going to pursue three verses at the same time. <laughs> and we just keep it to that. We have these three verses that are kind of going the Patty Jenkins Snyder because I think well, they kind of wonder the Wonder Woman films are part of the Snyder verse. But so. I consider Patty Jenkins such a talent that I think she should be able to do a couple more of the characters. Well, yeah, so we, they, we, as far as we know, Wonder Woman 3 is still that's yes. in the books. That's that's hap but, they have not canceled it. We don't know when but it's But I consider happening, her so happened. good at it that, that, we, that she should share credit with Snyder because I feel so like the, without Wonder Woman. Snyder Jenkins verse we start calling Exactly, it. because I feel okay. like I would not be in the Snyder verse if it wasn't for Gal Gadot. That's I would have been out. Yeah. I would have been out. Because I, like I feel like she carries it. I like it. I feel I, I like, like that, that Wonder Woman movie is definitely one of the best things. I like the Aquaman movie too. I think that's a lot. I of feel fun. like I they do the Aquaman, movie. Aquaman yeah. is like I right. I think it's Aquaman. I think it's Wonder Woman carries Justice League. Then I put um, Aquaman. Then I would say Superman. Then Batman. And Bear then my, the all Flash of Margot kid. Robbie's Harley Quinn movies are also Snyderverse collected. Yeah, she, she's I'm not crazy the, about them. Yeah, she's who, who's, your, who's your top three in that verse? If you were to rank Molly, top three in that verse, I go Wonder Woman number one, and I, I don't care. And Aquaman yeah. number two, which is you know Superman and Batman. Are, how are Superman and Batman not the number one and two? But okay, here we are. I do, no, I'm I with like, you. I have to say, I like Affleck's Batman. I don't know if they got the 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 best the best use out of him, but I hmm. I do like him in that. I do I like. I don't him hate him. Role. Yeah, like for me personally, I like. There are some really good Batman movies, and I get that, but it, I just find that I find the whole series like a little too depressing, right? Like I don't want to mm. see the parents die every time. Like there's the it's origin story dark, every yeah. day. It's just a little dark. So I'm with you. It's like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and then I don't know, maybe a random. Like I don't hate Suicide Squad. Yeah, somebody Tim <laughs> Apple in the comments brought up John Cena's Peacemaker show from HBO Max, which That's is definitely great. one of the best things from that whole universe. I really like yeah. that. I do. I like the Suicide Squad movies. Like, yeah. I think they're around. I didn't like that David Ayer first one, but that James Gunn second one was pretty good. Yeah, that was right. hilarious. Shout out Tim Apple. <laughs> uh, Tim I didn't Apple. watch that one. I, you know, well, I, I, liked, I, I liked want to tell you, I gave up on trying to keep up with all the Marvel TV series. I didn't There's finish so Marvel. Many. I didn't finish the, uh, what yeah, was the Moon Knight? I didn't, finish. Moon, I didn't like Moon Knight very much. Moon I didn't Knight. Like, those I ended captured up liking me. She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. Maybe because I have kind of time. I don't have time to get my PhD in Marvel. It, and that, I think I like, think there is I think there is something to that idea of freeing people from this expectation that you're going to watch everything. Yeah, that, that there is power in that. That the idea that you could just follow this mm. one corner of the DC universe that you like. So counter. So maybe General mm -hmm. Zodzlov needs to think about this. He's now being a copycat. Lon Harris has been put in charge <laughs> I, of DC. I mean, for like 15 like, years, they've been, everybody else has been chasing Marvel and nobody else. I feel like we got to come to terms with that may have been a once in a generation lightning in a bottle thing that mm -hmm. Feige was able to do. And, and it was never going to last forever. And we're already yeah. seeing signs that it's not going to last forever. So right. to try to recreate this old success... Again, you know what? It goes right back to Netflix. It's like, be disruptive. Be bolder. They also were doing a thing that DC is not doing, where early Marvel were bringing in not very famous people and then signing them for like five movie deals. So like Chris Hemsworth was not a huge deal when he became Thor. Right. They were able to get him for cheap. Tom Hiddleston and all these guys, they made them into celebrities. Mm. But DC is like, The Rock is Black Adam. Ben Affleck right. is Batman. Robert Pattinson's Batman. You know, like, uh, they're like Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Like they're going for these huge stars. And then every new movie is a new mega deal with that mega star. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, The Rock owns half of the Black Adam franchise through seven bucks. You don't get The Rock for unless he's got a chunk of the movie. Yeah. I like your, I like this. I think we, I think we workshopped it. I think uh, it should be called the Triverse. I think the DC multiverse that people know, I know what that you're putting is. too many rules on it. There's already a DC multiverse in the comics. It's just, we're doing the DC. Multi- it's a, it's a no, different but here's the thing. If we do the DC, uh, just hear me out. If we <laughs> do the DC, if we do the triverse, just hear me out. If we mm. do the triverse. Now the conversation goes from not. Do you, are you DC or Marvel? Now it's. Which one of the DC multiverses do you like best? Which yeah, one do you most listen? Now we're having a debate. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm into the RPAT verse. Oh, no, I like the Jenkins Snyder verse. No, I'm a Todd Phillips verse because I would be a Todd Phillips verse because I like that stuff. And I would be demanding DC make an Aquaman version where he's like in sewage <laughs> and it's like some dark <laughs> stuff. And he's like, sure. he's like got like a dark Greenpeace vibe to him where he's like taking oil tankers and throwing them back on the shore and putting oil on everybody. He just goes yeah. like totally rogue Aquaman. This is so much of the fun of comics and like we yes. get so caught up in movies that it's all gotta be linear and then what's canon and it's like comics don't care. Right. Anything can happen. Anything well, can happen. We, bring, we gotta want, bring back Batgirl, by the way. I I'm very Infinity upset verse. about the Batgirl thing now. I'm that getting upset about it because in the Triverse, it would happen and i'll tell you why i saw an interview with um uh my guy from uh from dope sick oh no dope sick he won the emmy for it michael michael keaton Keaton. and they're like hey michael keaton what's the story with you in this you know coming back from the multiverse in the thing and he's like yeah you know i'm an actor i don't know the politics of any of this but i was supposed to be in it i guess i'm not but maybe i'll be in some other stuff and he was kind of like I, I, what do you want me to say here? I got He's paid, in a very uh, confusing place because they also filmed stuff with him for The Flash. She was supposed to be in both right, The and Flash that's a disaster. and Batgirl. That kid's going to jail for when I'm in So, right. So, both of those but projects I'm pissed off are about very this. much like I want to see Michael. I want a Michael Keaton as old Batman with a bad knee, with a bad <laughs> yeah. shoulder, with ice packs on, just doing his last 10 years as, there was that old know. cartoon, Batman Beyond. People have suggested yes. that that would be mm-hmm. bringing the young cast of Terry McGinnis as the young Batman and his mentor is Michael oh, Keaton. Can you Bruce imagine Wade. how great an old Batman with a bad shoulder going out? You know, he gets in a fight. It's like, oh, geez, man, I got this yeah. shoulder I mean, issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, like to me, I could just be like, do the old Batman verse. You do don't whatever have to you make want. it linked right. up to everything else. Do three movies about an old Batman and then that's done. And now you move on to the next mm, story. Love, like, it. love it. All right. Let's say thank you to Lon. Love it. Thank you, Lon. Thanks, everybody. See you next Inspiring time. Inspiring so as great. always. Provocative everybody, as always. And, and will you still come on the show now that you're in charge of DC and you got this billion dollar deal? I'll, Don't forget them. I'll make time. I'll let them know once a week. I got to step out of my Harley Quinn. Don't forget the little people. <laughs> yeah. Lon. When you go run the DC. Ver- I mean, honestly, <laughs> at the, all right, Lon. Everybody follow twitter.com slash lawns. And if you want to go to inside.com slash streaming, you can sign up for the newsletter where Lon covers all this on a daily. Every day. Thank you, my friend. See you next week. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's what that's all we got for you today. I think it's plenty Mm. to be clear. Tomorrow we will have more news and another OK Boomer with producer Rachel because it will be Friday. Is it really Thursday already? And tomorrow's Friday. Oh, my! I don't know why you say already. I had one of those mornings where I was like, wait, it's really only Thursday. But it just went by really quick. And you know what? It's going to be November and then it's going to be Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we're going to be sitting here New Year's. I'm going to be skiing. Oh, and all of a sudden we're going to, I mean, it's just, it's happening so fast. As soon as September comes, I'm like, oh crap, it's Christmaca. Like literally there's no, no, there's, it just fast forward. It's like a tesseract straight to holidays. 
not really. stressing. Like, I got to plan it. Uh, you're freaking me out. Okay, I we am go. not. I am not hosting Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to travel for Thanksgiving, and then I think I'm going to host Christmas, New Year's. So, and speaking yeah. of Kevin Hart, um, I'm actually thinking of going with some friends to see Kevin Hart on New Year's. So that could oh, be fun. fun. Yeah, get invite him on the show. I saw Dave Chappelle and John Mayer one New Year's, and that was a wonderful like fun way to bring in the new year when the two of, they're just like two friends ever you ever see them like i went to riff? no i haven't but i'm just thinking i went to a like a wanda sykes show on new year's eve one time is new year's eve stand-up like kind of a thing i wonder i hmm. think it is because you want to laugh and have fun and yeah you know it's huh. just a nice thing to do so uh, yeah fun. let us know what are you, what are your new year's plans uh and i uh, hope you have <laughs> a great new year's it's everybody. time now yeah hey, all right see you tomorrow now. see you tomorrow everybody you tomorrow. <laughs> bye bye <laughs>